0: This is the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're not going to blow our tops in episode number 114. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, guys and gals. It's Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am happy to finally be back with you. First, I apologize for the long podcasting hiatus that I took. It was completely unintentional. What actually happened was I ended up getting a cough that was one of those coughs that was really bad for like a week and a half, and then it lingered for a while, and it just wears you out, even though we didn't have anything else really with it. The cough itself was just not pleasant, and then we were into the end of the year and the holiday season... And things were just crazy, just crazy. And so now we're already into a new year and things are settling down in my house. I'm actually really quite positive about things right now. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to jump back into podcasting with today's episode, which is how to beat overwhelm and take back your life. One of the things that challenges us, I think especially as mothers, perhaps you daddies as well, but I think that one of the things that really challenges us is just managing the day-to-day of life with small children, life when you're pregnant, life with older children, life with a mix of older and smaller children, and then adding in getting meals prepared, taking care of the house, I've done a lot of podcast episodes and we do tons on those topics in Smart Mama Happy Baby. And I've actually gotten bunches of good ideas for new topics lately from other moms. But I really wanted to talk today about what do you do when you're really, really overwhelmed. Like you look around the house and you feel like you're going to hyperventilate and you're so stressed that you feel like you're going to blow your top. What do you do? How do you how do you get back into things? What about when there's a lot of tension in your house? What can you do? Now, this is not going to be like a, a marriage counseling session or a family therapy session. I will touch a little bit on relationships, but sometimes you really do need help with those things. But we're going to talk about some practical things that you can do to just help take care of some of those little things that... Uh, that as Scott and I like to talk to the big kids about are straws that break the camel's back. In other words, they're little things that just build up and build up and they cause a lot of stress. So what can you do to help overcome those things? First is logistics. Logistics is always a huge thing. This is really what we end up spending most of our time talking about in Smart Mama, Happy Baby is logistics of different parts of life uh, as a mom or as a parent, uh, you can check out Smart Mama Happy Baby if you're not familiar with that. It's like a library book club of just uh, like 30-something classes now. It's it's crazy. And we do book studies, um, several book studies every year, kind of just going through books that are pertinent to, to parenting. And there's 52 weeks of meal plans and all kinds of stuff in there to make your life easier so check that out at smart mama happy baby that's m-a-m-a smart mama happy baby dot com if you're interested but let's now talk some about the logistics that we break down so much so first I think the biggest thing to do when you feel overwhelmed Before you do, like, anything else, make any other changes, is to figure out what to do with your little kids. This is because little kids uh, running wild are unhappy, usually, and... It's stressful for you to have them running wild. If you try and clean something up, they immediately mess it up. They're all over. They're often whining that they're hungry or they're whining because they're tired. You just, you have to get the little kids. I don't like to say under control because that sounds, I guess, coercive. But you have to get the little kids to the point where... They're guided and occupied so that you have hope of something else in your day besides running around putting out toddler-sized fires, if that makes sense. The very best thing I feel that you can do for your small children is establish a regular daily routine. In order to facilitate that, you cannot be here, there, and everywhere. I know that's harder for some of you that have older kids, uh, if daycare is part of your routine, I actually think that's not a big interruption because that is part of the daily routine, and in general, daycares inherently have their own routines. But if like you're in the car a lot driving older kids around, that can get stressful for a little one. I don't promise to have all the answers for that because, frankly, that's not a situation that we are really in but it might be something to reach out and ask other parents what they've done, how they've been able to handle that. I know that if you're going to sports practices and things, um, that doing things like taking a tub, like a, you know, a plastic tub or a basket or something with particular activities for particular sports, of, sports pr- practices and things like that are some strategies that I've heard to help little ones. But I would think about within the busyness of my life and the running around for my older kids, What kind of routine can I create? What kind of normalcy can I create for my young child that's beneficial for your young child or your young children? You might also challenge yourself with, are all of these things completely necessary? I know we live in a society where extracurricular activities and a dozen after-school activities are the norm and thought of positively. But sometimes, I mean, one of the reasons our family doesn't have a lot of that is because we've consciously made the decision that that perhaps time with a family is better. And that maybe all of this run, 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 disguised as peer interaction and getting ahead and everything like that is actually just run, 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 stress, 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 stress. Again, it's up to you. It's up to what's right for your family. Obviously, you're going to talk with your older child. But I've heard many families say that they were glad that they made the decision to be home more especially when you've got younger ones. So enough of that little digression. I want you to just, I want you to consider what kind of a routine you can get in with your little ones. For my family, we use a schedule. I talk about this in Smart Mama, Happy Baby. I've talked about this in previous podcasts. A routine doesn't cut it. We have to use a schedule that dictates what to do when, because there are so many people in the family that we're trying to manage and keep on track. Um, and when we're not on a schedule, things tend to go a lot, a lot rougher. That's one of the, that's one of the things that caused me to decide to do this podcast episode, is because things were just really, really, really stressful to me. I kind of felt like I was falling apart at the seams, and um, and I actually sought out some help for that. I talked to a counselor, and one of the things that I had told her was that I, I was used to things running kind of smoothly and on a schedule, and since Scott came home, he was laid off in mid-2015, which has been quite a while ago now. Um, well, incorporating a daddy into the schedule is not always easy, and sometimes, because he does do a lot around the house, he does customer service for natural birth and baby care, he does all of the math for the kids... Um, and he does all the laundry, so all kinds of things that he's helping with. And for him, you know, there is no such thing as a schedule. There's his agenda, which is not a bad thing. But it's very different from the way that I was used to running things and uh, and trying to figure out how do I have X, Y, or Z person available when he wants that person for X, Y, or Z, including me. Had It was really stressful. So anyways... Um, The counselor recommended that I just, and actually she didn't really recommend it. She just kind of let me talk and figure out the solution for myself. But that it was basically, you know, go ahead and set up the schedule. Do what you need to do for sanity for yourself, Kristen. And then be willing to flex a bit if he needs it. So, for example, if I need to, uh, if he wants one of the children to go over math, then I just say, okay, well, you need to go do math with daddy. And don't worry about the schedule. We'll sort it out after you're done with math, that sort of thing. Now, if it were becoming like an everyday occurrence, I would probably reevaluate for sure, but just having the schedule um, has already really helped us. We've been about three weeks on the schedule. I can't say it's been perfect any one day, but we've gotten so much done, and there are still issues going on um, that are not smooth yet, but I'm able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and because not everything is going wrong, I can pinpoint, okay, what is going wrong and what am I going to do to take care of that, if that makes sense. So for me, I need to have a schedule that says this is what said person is supposed to do at said time, at least on homeschool days. And you, but you might not need that. You might be able to use just a daily rhythm. That's what worked for me when I had little ones only. Um... I always kind of used a scheduling system but it could be looser Uh, so you get up in the morning and everybody has breakfast and then maybe you wash up from breakfast and everybody gets dressed and then you go for a walk then you come back in and you read some books and then maybe it's um, some playtime free time for the kids while you rock the baby or have a few minutes for yourself with them playing nearby Um, Then maybe it's time for a little bit more active play, uh, maybe a game or something that you've led or that you know you're kind of leading or giving hints to let your child's imagination take off with it. Then maybe it's time to clean up and get lunch ready and then you have lunch and then maybe there's a little bit of an outside play time after lunch cleanup is done and then it's time to come in for a nap. And then that nap is a wonderful time for you to nap. Maybe if you're pregnant or have a newborn or um, going through just a tough time in life. Or maybe it's time for you to get a little bit extra done writing or crafting or cleaning if you must type thing. Or, and then, you know, after the nap, it's time to get up and maybe we have another little walk or outside playtime and then we come in and we check again to make sure that the house is clean and uh, and start supper preparation and that sort of thing. So you can see that there's a general rhythm to the day. Um, I think that it's good. This is one of the things I talk about in Smart Mama Happy Baby is to look at daily rhythm, weekly rhythm, and then seasonal or yearly rhythm. So, for example, you might have one day a week where you go to story time with your little ones at the library. That might be the one activity that you've chosen to do. Uh, And so they know on that day it's a little bit different. And then, um, you know, maybe you go to church or synagogue or something once a week, that sort of thing. So... There's a rhythm to the days and a rhythm to the week, and then there's usually a rhythm to the seasons, and um, and for many of us, there are national and religious holidays that create a rhythm to the year, and those are things that we can teach our children to, to hold close to their hearts and enjoy and look forward to, too. But that rhythm is something that's really important to little kids, and it's been demonstrated to me in the past few weeks just how much little children are attracted to that? Because my little ones are clamoring every day, asking me, What am I supposed to do now, Mama? What am I supposed to do now, Mama? What am I supposed to do now, Mama? They want to know at each period what they're supposed to be doing, and I have no doubt that in a couple more weeks, they'll they'll have it memorized. Um, and they, you know, they look forward to those times because I've carefully planned out what they do during each time, and they look forward to that. Some of those times are specified play times with particular siblings, so they get one-on-one time with a sibling and that sort of thing. But anyways, it just underscores for me that they really like that routine, they like that predictability, they like that that structure is there in their day, and for you, it means that there is routine, there is predictability, there is structure, and your children are occupied. One thing you might discover as you try to introduce routine is that things go badly at first, because nobody's used to that, but I encourage you to persevere, little character issues, I guess, come up with our children, which is a good time for them to learn different skills, like being polite, like listening to mama or daddy, like um, um, like picking up when they're told to, those sorts of things. So there, there are different things that they need to learn, or playing alone could be one that's a big one I actually have a podcast episode on teaching your toddler to have an alone time so they might have a a half an hour where they play alone which might be a foreign skill to them so basically when you're creating a routine give it time to 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 be feasible and to work but I really think that is the cornerstone starting to make your way out of chaos and overwhelm is getting your little kids occupied with a routine that keeps them from just being everywhere because again they're usually unhappy Uh, they're miserable you're miserable they're getting into things that they shouldn't get into so you're exhausted it's just not fun so that's the cornerstone that's like the first thing with logistics the second thing I would encourage you to look at is meals Meal planning, even doing a little bit of planning ahead, can be really helpful. Um, You can have like a rotating calendar. You could join Smart Mama Happy Baby and follow those menus every week. Uh, You could subscribe to another meal planning service. Whatever works for you. What's working for me right now is to have a set menu plan for the kids like for lunch because we do a different lunch we have the same basically the same thing for breakfast every morning for the kids Um, and that's oatmeal soaked overnight and cooked automatically by our rice cooker which is pretty easy and dished up by cassidy our eldest and then for lunches i have like a set little cycling menu that I use for them. I make slightly different lunches for Scott and I and that's also um, a cycling menu. It's the same every week like every Monday is the same, every Tuesday is the same, every Thursday is the same and so forth. Um, so that that makes things easy for me to keep up with. And then for dinner, what I did like this week was I just sat down on Sunday and and planned out a dinner for each night of the week. I've used many, many variations. I've used meal planners. I've had a calendar that that I plan out the meals for the month. I've got a friend who has like a list of meals inside of her cabinet that her family loves. She always keeps things on hand to make those meals. And she usually picks from that list every evening when it's time to prepare supper and that works for her. So there are different ways to do this and you can look at different meal planning and preparation systems, but usually just having an idea. And I've, I've actually been using a little um, chore planner, the Motivated Moms Chore app, which I discovered through the Ultimate Homemaking Bundle last year, Um, and they have every day, uh, they have plan and cook dinner on there. So if you were to look at that app every morning to see what the chores were for the day, you would see that plan dinner. So even if you take a few minutes to think about what do I want for dinner in the morning or the night before, It can save a lot of frustration because you have meat thawed if you need to thaw meat or you at least have an idea what you're going to do in the kitchen because I don't think there's anything more stressful than knowing it's a half an hour till when you want to have a meal and having no idea what you're going to make. That could be one of those times where it's good to do like my friend and have like some 30 minute meal ideas that you keep on a sheet of paper taped inside a kitchen cabinet so that When you aren't prepared, you can just open that up and go, oh my goodness, I'm going to make this one and just point your finger to one of them. But usually doing a little bit of advanced planning can make a big difference and lower stress levels greatly. It can be a week in advance. It could be that morning. Um, I like to do it a little bit in advance so that I know that I've got the ingredients. But I do tend to shop for the same kind of thing every month. And so we kind of have the same things on hand. But yeah, anyways, look at meals. House upkeep is the next thing. This is one I just mentioned. The Motivated Moms Chore Planner Fly Lady is another system um, that some people really like, and I I get Fly Lady's Homeschool emails every day, even though I've been using the Motivated Moms Chore Planner app because I really like it. Um, and I mean, there are just you know, there are just all kinds of uh, all kinds of Different options for getting the house under control. If you really have no idea where to begin, I I would recommend that you pick a system like Fly Lady, like the Motivated Moms, and just see if you can follow it. If it fits, just do a little bit every day. And having your kids in a routine and deciding. Okay, one half hour of the day is going to be, you know, our cleanup routine or our decluttering routine or something. On our break weeks when we're not doing homeschooling, I still have a looser schedule that we follow. And I actually have an hour on that schedule for like decluttering and and cleaning so that on break weeks during the summer and that sort of thing, I can make big progress. And we actually had a break week since I started the schedule up again, because we had the holidays, and I was able to get quite a bit done. And it was just it was actually quite relaxing for me, because it was time that I had set aside for this. It was time that had a limit on it. So I didn't feel like I had to be in there till the job was done. But I was able to make a pretty big dent on the job and I was I was pretty proud of that that was good for me so I think that house upkeep is something that's really important again if you don't feel like you have the skill set to do it then look for a system that will give you that skill set even if it's very gradually and and make that happen Make it a normal part of the day. In a house with little children, I found that really clean up time needs to happen more frequently than once in the afternoon, or else the house is going to be a total mess. For us, because the morning time is our school time, and Scott and I are both usually engaged with in teaching older kids. If we don't follow up on the little ones and make sure that they're cleaning up after each of their periods, like stopping five minutes before and saying, okay, clean up, it tends to be a wreck even by lunchtime. And then when I say, okay, it's time to clean up for lunch, it gets overwhelming. So you might need to do like a mid-morning pickup and then a lunchtime pickup. If your little ones are napping in the afternoon, you might not have to do the mid-afternoon pickup, but you'll probably have to do an evening pickup or a before daddy gets home pickup kind of thing. So think about what kind of normal chore times do I need to build into my day time to take care of dishes and kitchen cleanup laundry. There are different strategies that can work. Uh, Some families like to do laundry once, um, you know, once, once a week. That's what my family did for a long time. Now we do it a little bit differently, Uh, but some strategy that I've heard that works if you're completely overwhelmed with laundry or if you have a large family that does a lot of laundry. Um, is five loads by five, so if you're completely overwhelmed with laundry, your goal is to have five loads washed, dried, and folded by five, so as soon as you get up in the morning, you put laundry in, and the recommendation is that you actually set a timer, or if you got one of those, I I attended a birth a couple weeks ago, and the mom had gotten a brand new washer, I did her laundry after the birth, and it like, it basically played a song when the laundry was done, it was It was just kind of joyful. It was like the machine was sitting there happily singing when the laundry was done, which I thought was kind of cool. And it actually also had a countdown timer on it showing how long the load would take, which I also thought was really neat. But anyways, another digression. Set a timer or have your laundry or your washing machine sing to you, transfer to the dryer. Uh, set a timer again so that, and then as soon as those things come out, fold them. Little kids can help fold socks and washcloths, if nothing else. And we use they're well, they're basically like <clears throat> bar mops that we buy in bulk from restaurant supply, uh, and they're called bar mops, but they're just like basically big. Big rags to wipe up spills in the kitchen and things help save us paper towels so we don't use quite so many uh, and my little kids can fold all of those all the bar mops all the wash rags all the washcloths they can do all of that by themselves so the older kids Scott and I don't need to do any of that so you can look and see what is within my little ones capability one tip that I've gotten for helping with little kids and doing laundry is for them to use a dish pan so they fold their laundry and put it in a clean obviously a clean dish pan and then they can carry that dish pan Uh, to where you're going to help them put their laundry away these are the sorts of things that may take a little bit of time at first as you teach them but they usually keep them engaged and happy so that you're able to do that so anyways you do your five loads by five for a couple days maybe three days if it's really bad and then your laundry is caught up and then you might do like a load a day and that helps you to keep up with the laundry so again those things are really important. Another thing logistically that I feel is really important is your health. And we're going to come back to taking care of you in a few minutes. But keep in mind that addressing your health, your health issues, your health concerns is just as important to um, to the logistics of running your household and parenting your children as feeding them and keeping the house clean and that sort of thing. Okay, so we've had a few plans for okay how do we start to tackle the logistics and again i want to encourage you that this is a start it's going to be rough at first but you're you know you're starting to climb out of the hole instead of digging it deeper now relationships oftentimes when we're overwhelmed relationships are rocky or strained or downright feels like non-existent severed okay so the first thing i want to encourage you is that mama is in charge This is important with your little ones. It doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be like a dictatorial kind of thing, but it's more of a matter of fact kind of thing. You know, a judge in a courtroom is usually not mean. He or she is just quite matter of fact because they know that they're in charge. It's very similar in your house. If you tell your child to pick up their socks and they completely blow you off, you're probably going to blow your top. And your child is not really learning a good lesson either. And I I talked a lot about this because I know we're getting into dicey ground when we start to talk about parenting and we talk about parents being in charge. It's kind of like not politically correct today to uh, oppress your child or suppress your child's emotions or whatever. I just did a class on intentional mothering. Uh, which you can check out, and we talked a lot about that. But, um, but being courteous towards the family, um, being courteous and respectful towards people who are in a position of authority over us, which for most of us, that there will be somebody like that for our entire life. Um, <clears throat> but learning to be considerate and helping around the house is part of being a good human being. Having compassion for others, being willing to pitch in and help, those are good character qualities for your child to learn. Those are going to contribute to their success as a human being. So those are not bad things. You are not at all oppressing your child when you want them to pick up their socks. So mama is in charge. That's something that I want you to hold in your mind is that you are the parent for a reason And be confident that even if it doesn't go smoothly at first, and even if you have a lot of teaching moments, you're in charge and your children need to do what you say when you say it. And if they really have a problem with that and they're old enough to express that opinion, they can come to you and discuss it in a mature fashion. But otherwise, mama is in charge and that will help you feel like you're in control of your own household um, and that you're not being walked all over. Because what in honesty really happens when we're afraid to parent our children is that we feel like we're being walked all over. So don't be afraid if you tell your child, pick up your socks or whatever, if they don't do it to get up and maybe you help them start doing it. That's especially effective with little ones. If you tell them to clean up and they get distracted, you get up and and start putting things away and then put something into their hands. And they, they have this almost unconscious desire to imitate, to copy. So they'll start, Putting things away too, so include them in it. Don't do it all for them, but that can help. Working alongside you can really help, and make sure that they're doing that. And one thing that I've learned, um, one of the book studies that we did in Smart Mama Happy Baby was uh, was Montessori from the start, the child at home from birth to age three. They talked about helping develop your child's will in the sense that help your child learn to have the willpower to do something that they want to do. Help them harness their willpower, um, and they also talked about the concept of flow as, as, as talking about the context of little children, and I really liked it because for most of us, the thought of getting into the getting into that state of flow is positive. So I loved the way that they chose to use that. And also that, you know, harnessing your willpower to be able to achieve what you want to achieve is an important thing. So it's a very positive spin on what we sometimes think is negative. But helping your child learn to be able to have that focus, um, not talking about making them sit at a desk for eight hours a day or anything, but to be able to focus along with you on working around the house and that sort of thing or when you read a book is a good thing. That's teaching them to be able to be dedicated to a task, to get into that state of flow. Those are all habits that you want to instill in your child even starting now so being in charge and guiding them and giving them those gifts of learning how to do those things is a good thing it's a really good thing one thing I do think is important and is more likely to happen when you've got that routine set up is carving out a little bit of space to have time to talk to each of your children or if they're really little just to spend with them cuddling or playing or reading to them. I also think that reading to your children like as a group is a good way to build relationship and especially if you've got older kids to stimulate good discussion. But having that little bit of one-on-one time is really important too. It's important to your children because you need to have that relationship with them and it's important to you because you want to know what's going on in your child's heart and also because As moms, when we get busy or when we feel overwhelmed or frazzled, we feel like we're not being a good parent and we feel guilty. So having that time with each child, at least a little bit of time where you can check in with them can really make a big difference. And then as things calm down, you can expand that to find more of that time with them, more of that time together as a family. But when you're thinking about, okay, got the little kids in a routine, I've got a tentative meal plan, um, I've, I've got starting to learn how to keep up the house, and I'm making my little ones pick up, I'm helping them pick up when they're supposed to, so I don't just say something and then 30 minutes later I look up from Facebook and they're doing something else, and believe me, mamas, the reason I can say that is because I've, I've totally done that. You know, you turn around and check Facebook for a minute, get sucked in for a half an hour, and then you look behind you and the room is worse than it was when you told them to clean up. You know, so I'm, I'm making sure that they're cleaning up. I'm being an active parent, getting up and getting them to do what I told them to do. And I'm also making sure that I'm spending time with each child at least a little bit of a day. And if it feels awkward at first, that's okay. It won't as you do it more often. Make sure that there's some time to relax. This could be that time as a family when you're just able to breathe out. It's not go, go, go. It's not, oh my gosh, we have to be here by this time. We have to get this done by this time. And one of the one tip, ladies, is if you're going to create a routine or schedule, please build margin into it so that there's time to transition from one activity to the other without you feeling like, Um, You're a timekeeper who's just like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Build some margin into it, okay? But make sure there's also time for you to relax. I think that a key for this with parents, once you move past the newborn stage, is to have a nice bedtime for your kids that's at least a little bit earlier than yours, so that you have some time when you can talk to your spouse or when you can just relax without your kids, another option or I think really an option and an addition is you might consider getting up a little bit earlier than your kids. So you have some time to start your morning before them. This is really important for me. I usually like to read my Bible and pray in this time and also I often like to do a little bit of work. Uh, in that time in the morning before my kids get up so that I just feel like I've gotten a start to my day it's also a good time to fit in an exercise um, like a walk if that's something that you desire to do so have that time kind of just to to relax to maybe not be on call so to speak and to just be able to breathe out your marriage is something that is important and when things are strained a marriage can get really strained. One thing that I will encourage you—this actually goes, um, this goes for both children and a marriage relationship—is not really to have expectations, um, especially with kids. I always encourage my students to have goals for your kids, but not expectations. Um, it was S. M. Davis who said. E- expectations ruin relationships and I have found that uh, to be true because often especially children fall short of our expectations. So have goals for them but realize that they are probably going to mess up and it's probably going to take some work to get things to where you would really hope that they will be. Um, And I also think in a marriage don't have a lot of preconceived expectations. Now I'm not telling you to and this is something that I'm still learning too, because uh, my marriage has, just the look and feel of my marriage, so to speak, has radically changed since I have an at-home husband now. Uh, and it's, so it's not that I'm telling you to assume the the whole workload, but I'm telling you um, to communicate and don't have an expectation. Now if you've talked something through and your spouse has said okay I'm going to take care of that and they don't, well that was reasonable expectation but you also you know you need to talk about it. So this is an issue too where things get really tough um, where having a counselor help the two of you or even you seeing a counselor alone can help you put things in perspective. But um, but. Make sure that you don't hold expectations about your spouse that your spouse doesn't really know about. And also, don't be afraid to ask for help. One thing that I think that women especially have a tendency to do, I know I do this, I see this in my oldest daughter already, um, is assuming responsibility for everything And then resenting that nobody steps up and helps, even though you don't ask for it. So it's basically just assuming a martyr mentality. Um, And if that's insulting, ladies, I'm sorry. But it is something that really happens. And so I think it's something that we um, we really need to be aware of. And we need to guard against because denying it doesn't make it go away. So if you're resenting, you know, a truckload of work, now some of you are probably married to somebody who really wouldn't help, who really doesn't help, and that's a totally different issue. But if you have a spouse who would help and you just haven't asked in specific ways, um, and so you just kind of silently seethe while he sits and does nothing, then, then think through, is there something I could ask him to do? And sometimes, I know ladies, I live in a real marriage and it really does get tough, but it's something to think about and something to consider. Also, definitely take time to nurture your marriage. Even with young kids, you can do that. If you can get away for a date night once a month, then that's really good for you. Um, But even like, Little, I guess, little PDAs, little public displays of affection around the house. You know, give your spouse a kiss on the cheek or touch them or give them a hug um, let him know that you appreciate him. And it's, I mean, I do that kind of stuff to Scott very frequently. I try to be conscious about it and, um, he doesn't do it quite so frequently to me. So I'm actually always a little bit surprised when he comes over and gives me a little kiss on the cheek or something, though he will often give me a hug if we happen to be both be standing in the same room or whatever. Um, but it's just something that for me, That connection with him is really important. And when you're super busy with a family and working and all of that sort of stuff, it's hard to carve out those times for connection. Um, If you look like at the dating divas, they have lots of great ideas for at-home dates and things. So if you're looking for something fun to do that goes beyond maybe a movie night every week, then that could be fun to look at. But again, if you're overwhelmed, that might be too much right now. But I would just encourage you, you know, acknowledge your spouse, thank your spouse, you know, give him a little kiss, tell him you think he's handsome, all those sorts of things. And hopefully it it comes back to you too. But, you know, make that time for that relationship. What about if you feel like your spouse is in the way? This is actually something that I feel like I've struggled with. It's like I will say that, okay, well, I want to try and get the house cleaner Um, And Scott would say something like, well, you know, it's just, it's always a mess. It's always crazy, which is discouraging to me. It, It might be true, but it's discouraging to me when I am trying to create something better, trying to work on things, and then to have somebody just basically come around and kind of stomp on it, it hurts. And I mean, I've, and so I actually talked to Scott about that. I told him, it's like, you know, please don't say It's always like that because even if it is, I'm trying to consciously change it. And even if that's not easy, it's something I'm working on. And I've also asked him with the schedule because he said again and again, you know, I don't do well with the schedule and yada, yada, yada. And I've told him, you know, it's just I'm going to post the schedule. This is what I want to do. This is what I need to do for my sanity. You can ask for a kid when you need them. If you want to try and respect the schedule, it's there. And basically, in the end, kind of let him work it out how he wants to deal with that. Because I can't dictate it, but I know that I'm a much better wife to him when I feel like I'm running my household well. Than when I feel like everything's in shambles. The entire house is a mess. No schoolwork is getting done. We're eating garbage that kind of stuff it's like I know that ultimately I'm a better wife and so I kind of just had to this was something the counselor helped me with too was just kind of step back and say look this is what I need to do to be a better me and I'm just going to let you work out how you want to how you want to work with that but ultimately I think the results are better for you so that's somewhere to tread carefully you don't want to be, like, disrespectful or offensive, just like you don't want your spouse to be rude to you. But sometimes you might just have to say, look, babe, I'm just, this is something that I need to do. I'm working on it. Um, and just give me the time. And basically, it's like an experiment. One of the things I quip at my older kids sometimes, which I think drives them crazy, is I'm like, you know, try it before you buy it. You might just like it. <laughs> and so... Um, This would be one of those things. I also, another thing in in relationship, to relationships, no pun intended, is understanding habits and patterns. And I put in my notes, being stuck in a rut. Oftentimes when we relate to other people, especially those that we love the most, we act in patterns. And it's always the same pattern. So discussions with your spouse always tend to go the same way. And you have to realize that we're falling into a rut. And and what it takes is for you to make the conscious decision that you don't want to get in that rut. It's, it can be the very same with your kids too. So if you're always yelling, that's a pattern that you've established with your children. And you have to change the pattern. You have to change the pattern. It's especially challenging, I think, with a spouse or with older children because they're conscious thinking beings. Not that little kids don't think, but you know, they they adults, teenagers, older kids think a lot more. They have a mind of their own, so to speak, a lot more. Little kids, once you start changing that routine, once you start working on those things with them, oftentimes things will fall into place. Once they realize that for three days straight, mama's being serious, she's getting up and making me do what she said every single time time, they get the picture. And as long as you don't lose consistency, they kind of go with the flow pretty easy. It's not that it's not that way as much with older kids or a spouse. It takes a lot more effort. But remember that you are the one who can change and you can recognize patterns and stop. You can say, you know what, this is this is a pattern. This is a habit that we're in. It's not healthy, it's not good for us, and I'm going to change it. And again, these things with their relationships are kind of food for thought. I started with the logistics because I really think that those basics are going to help you. But these are things that add layers upon layers upon layers of complexity and also stress into our lives as mothers. So as you're able to breathe because your little ones are occupied and you know that food's going to be on the table, you can start to think on some of these deeper things. I mentioned consistency already. I think consistency is really important. Be consistent with pursuing your family goals. Remember we talked about having goals, not expectations. So if you want to see your children turn into more cheerful helpers, first you model that consistently. And then you consistently prod them to uh, to do that, you know, you need to pick up your sock and you need to do it with a smile. And if they can't do that, well, bring the sock back and do it again kind of thing. And, and day after day after day, just a reminder, look, and maybe you'll just walk by the next time and see the sock on the floor. And you're like, you know, Johnny. And then they just, see, he sees you kind of staring intently at the sock. And five minutes later, he's like, oh, I should probably take care of that sock. You know, so the light bulbs start to go off for him. Over time, and again, you're establishing that habit that he's always going to pick up his sock. Um, so be consistent with your with your goals for your family. Be consistent with your attitude. You're not always going to do it right, Mama. You're going to get frazzled and frustrated sometimes. It's going to be a bad day. You're going to hardly be able to move off the couch because it's early pregnancy and you feel so fatigued, or you have a newborn who's crying all day. You know those sorts of things happen. Life happens, but on the whole, stay consistent. Remember, children are forgiving stick to the routine as part of consistency please give it give it time to get smooth and then st- stick to it and also evaluate yourself and what you what you've expected or those goals so when you've been working on this is it working maybe i decided that we wanted to go on a walk right after breakfast and i realized that that's always when my toddler decides that it's time to fill his diaper so instead we're going to have potty time right after breakfast for a little bit and read a book. And then we're going to go on the walk. You know, so that would be like, that's kind of a silly example and a practical example. But, you know, there will be other things that you realize. Like, for example, right before lunch when my child is getting a little tired and is hungry, is probably not the time to ask them to peacefully sit and do a handicraft kind of thing. So consider what you are what your plans are, what your goals are, what your expectations for yourself are, and ask if those are realistic. And probably after a few weeks of evaluating, you will have an idea of what is realistic, and then you'll also be able to build upon that gradually as you get better at managing things and as your child and your children mature, they'll they'll be able to take on new things, new responsibilities, um, be helpful on new levels. So keep that in mind. Um, Then taking care of you is really important. I said that we'd come back to this. One thing that I've noticed with stressed moms who reach out to me is often they're not eating enough. You're not getting enough calories, so you feel constantly hungry and cranky, or you're constantly eating, but it's all pretzels and chocolate and junk. So please eat enough. Make sure that you take care of you. Also, make sure that you're drinking enough. Make sure that you're sleeping enough. Again, if you need to work on helping your kids uh, sleep, I mean, I have the go-to-sleep class. That's part of um, Smart Mama Happy Baby, too. But, you know, get somebody who can help you get your kiddos sleeping so that you can get the rest that you need as well. It's so important. And if you are pregnant um, or you've got a newborn or you're just in a tough season of life, you have some kind of chronic thing going on, if you need extra sleep, make sure that you account for that and get that extra sleep. Even when you've got older, Older kids, you can often teach them to have a quiet time, even if they do not sleep, so that you can have some time to rest. And your little ones are in a baby-proofed place, or a playpen, or a, or a crib, or somewhere that's safe, while you can lay down and sleep. Um, and then again, we've talked about this too. Do you need somebody to talk to? Would seeing a counselor or somebody help? It's helped me, so I think that that's something that. Feels still a little bit taboo, but it doesn't even necessarily mean that there's anything like illness related going on, like no mental illness or anything. It's just that sometimes our lives are really complex, and having somebody else listen and give their reflections or just let us talk and sort things out in our own mind as we share with them can be really helpful and they can give perspectives. That um you know that you that you don't always have like I'll share something this is kind of vulnerable for me, but um but with Scott being home and also I um, we aren't making as much because he's not working outside the home and my business is definitely not bringing in big bucks by any stretch of the imagination, um so you know finances are tight and we're trying to take care of seven kids and figure out still this rhythm of having both of us home and everything and it's been rocky sometimes and. And I felt really bad about that. I mean, because I felt like we were, we still are best friends, but I felt like, you know, we were able to enjoy each other a lot more. And so what I what I told the counselor that I was talking to is I said, you know, Pastor, I felt like I had this great marriage and, um, and now I just, it's so strained. And she said, what she said to me, like, I mean, this like made my day for days. And she said, you know, just because you're going through, a tough time doesn't mean you have a great marriage. She said, when things get smoother, which they eventually will, it's the fact that you went through this time that's really going to define that you have a great marriage. And, you know, so that's just, that's really personal, obviously, to my life. But it's just the way that somebody else who's not right in the middle of it can have a perspective on it. That you don't because, you know, she could tell from talking to me that like, I'm not worried about my marriage, like losing my marriage or anything. I just feel like I've lost some of that best friend intimacy kind of stuff. And, you know, she was also able to point out to me a different viewpoint from what I had, which was really refreshing and really helpful to me. um, And I feel like actually helped me improve things at home. Because I just had a different perspective. And sometimes that's really valuable. Also, talking to somebody else can help you identify patterns, like we were talking about, and habits and figure out how am I going to start to change those. You can't really change other people. Like I said, you can kind of mold little kids, but you can't really change other people. But you can always change you, and you can always change your responses. And that can often bring a lot of freedom. So somebody else outside can help you see that. So I'm not saying that you need to have somebody to talk to, but it can be helpful. When my three eldest were little, um, I saw a counselor for a while, And that was really helpful to me then. So it's just something that can help, again, help you sort out your own thoughts, get a little objectivity in your situation, just things that help. Okay, I know that our podcast episode is getting a little bit long here, so I want to wrap it up. But one more tip, this is really practical, that I wanted to share with you. Something that can kind of help jumpstart this whole process is for you to get out a sheet of paper and a pen or write on your tablet or whatever you want to do. And I like to title it points of frustration. And you think about, okay... What is it that's really, really, really causing me to to feel frustrated? What's causing me to feel like I'm going to blow my top kind of thing? And then just list those out. It's not going to be super exhaustive. You know, if you've got more than like 10 things or something, go back and zoom in on the really big points. So I'll tell you. Um, I actually did this myself recently, so I'll read to you a few of the things that were on my list. So the kids' work is disorganized, talking about the kids' schoolwork. So the kids' work is disorganized, so I can't quickly and easily check their assignments for the day. I feel like lunch is not going smoothly enough. I feel like our evenings are too... We're struggling too much to fit in reviewing schoolwork and reading, so evenings feel too harried. My closet is a mess. My bedroom is a mess. My boy's room is gross. <laughs> um, and then also, I feel like I don't have enough time to record and do teachings. So I want to get a podcast done every week. I'd like to do a live video for NBBC every week. And then I also need time to evaluate emails and things in my business. So I listed things both personal and business in that list. So you might have this list. And these are like major hot points for me. These were things that I feel like are major sticking points to the day. When I feel like I can't check the kids' work quickly and easily, I feel like I'm not providing accountability and guidance for them. And I'm also allowing them to establish poor habits. Right? When... Um, When lunch is not going smoothly, I feel like it takes too long to get lunch done and lunch chores done and everything gets frazzled. When the evenings are rushed and harried, we don't have time to look over schoolwork and we don't have time to read as a family, which is something I really value. The closet is a mess. I actually keep all of my little kids' toys during their morning activities. Those are all in my closet, so it tends to get messy. Um, but having a messy closet in my room frustrates me, and also I couldn't put things away in my closet because of the mess. So the mess is building up in my room. So that was a huge like mental issue for me. And then obviously I want to have more time to be able to make sure I do things like get this podcast out. So you don't basically like sit with that list, right? This list is a list of the things that are really rough and the things that I really need to take action on now. So these are the really hot spots. Now for me, those might not seem like too big of a hot spot because I've been spending the past few weeks really taking care of other hot spots. But these are things that are still sticking points. And so what I did was I didn't sit on this list. So for example, I decided what action I'm gonna take. So, like with the kids' work being disorganized, I made the mental decision: okay, my older kids are gonna stay up late. I'm gonna give up some of that not having kids around time because it's more important to me that they stay up. We get those school, um, you know, their school binders and things like that organized so that I can check work quickly and easily. Things can go smoothly in the morning. Um, And then actually today, we took care of the closet, me and my three littlest ones, believe it or not, because Scott took the four older kids to Japanese lessons, and I took everything that was disorganized, all the toys and things that were on the closet floor and stuff, and I put them all in a laundry basket, took the laundry basket to the middle of the den floor, and... Then I told the little ones that we're going to put away like one or two types of toys at a time. So we took all the Duplos out of the basket and put those in the Duplo box. And we took all of the magnet toys out of the basket and put them in the magnet toy box. And we took all the dress-up clothes out of the basket and put them in the dress-up clothes box. And I was actually shocked because they really got into it. I was planning like we'll put three or four types of things away and then take a break. But they got totally into it and wanted that laundry basket empty so the closet is is clean now and actually while they were continuing to work on the laundry basket I was able to get some things put away. So that worked really well. You know, that was something that was actionable for me. Um, For my boys' room mess, that's kind of a perpetual problem. But uh, one of the things I'll do is I'll set timers to help keep them on task and keep me checking so that we get the mess cut down. And then, again, that one's just a consistency thing. I know I'm going to have to keep checking. And then, you know, carving out time for content and to work on the business are things that I'll think through consciously. How can I find a solution to make sure that this happens? So, for example, I'm recording this podcast today. Sadie naps. I'm going to record. Um, Corwin and Honor are, are having a quiet time in their rooms, and there's not a lot of other people in the house, because, again, Scott and the big kids are out at Japanese lessons. So, basically, that list is like, these things are are, are really really irritants. They're really causing a lot of problems. And these are things that I really want to work on fixing and addressing. That list is not a hopeless list. It's a list of how can I address this. And some things might have to be addressed before others. For example, I had to clean the closet before I could straighten the bedroom. I have to get the kids' schoolwork organized before I can get more efficient with checking it kind of thing. But it gives you a jumping off point. All right, with that, ladies, we are, um, we're up, up to almost an hour. So I'm going to go ahead and finish up for you. I hope you've gotten some practical ideas from this episode that will be helpful to you. Um, Do remember I have lots and lots and lots and lots of practical ideas, uh, all peppered throughout the 30 classes, the meal plans, and all kinds of things in Smart Mama Happy Baby. So if you're interested in checking that club out, we also do the book studies. We're getting ready to start a book study on helping establish good habits in our kids. I'm excited about that. Um, Check that out at SmartMamaHappyBaby.com. Otherwise, I will talk to you next week, and I hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.